Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And we are here with episode 50 of the Life Exchange podcast. We've made it to 50. I think that's like the golden anniversary. I'm really tempted to get one of those clap tracks, you know, when we do that, you know. <laughs> and this is Life Exchange. Well, you are the producer. You have the power to do that. So if you're a clap I don't track. Know. I don't know if it's worth the time investment <laughs> for it, but... Uh, Sometimes the time that you put into a joke that I don't think is funny is, <laughs> is pretty extensive. Should a meme take that long to produce? I'm not sure. Glad it brings you joy. It does. I don't waste any time on those things. Because <laughs> you don't get it anyway. I don't get it anyway. <laughs> I couldn't even create it because I wouldn't even, yeah. So we hope you enjoy our, our different colors here. But all right, well, today we're talking about three questions. We'll see if we get to all three of them. Um, but three questions, one of them being, um, what should I look for in a life-giving relationship? Actually, the full question is, I've had a tra bad track record with relationships. What are some of the things I should look for in a life-giving relationship? So I know I have a lot to say on that one. That's a great question for a life exchange podcast. Is it? Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad we have it then. Well, how do what do you look for in a life-giving life relationship? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> do we know what we're talking about? <laughs> hopefully. Um, another question is how do you build trust when trust is broken? Um, which I have a question on that question. Mm. Um, are we talking about if you have been the one that has broken trust or if trust has been broken against you? The way I was taking it, I, I it, the truth is it can go both ways, obviously. Okay. But I was thinking more from the perspective of you've been violated. Okay. And so how do you make the steps to build trust? Maybe not necessarily with that person, but sometimes when you've been violated, you don't want to trust anyone. So yeah. what are some steps that you can make to build trust in your, in your daily General. life? But yeah, I agree with you. Um, the flip side is true. Like you've been the one that's been breaking trust. How, what are some steps that you can make to restore trust? Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we'll hit both sides. I remember, Do you, did you ever watch the show 24? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to watch that like pretty regularly. If you ever watched it, it was very intense and it like didn't stop. You had to keep binging it. Yeah. And I remember I had to take a break because I found myself not trusting people. <laughs> because <laughs> in that show, you would like, you would think a character was good and then you'd find out they were a double agent or they were working for the But enemy. what did he always tell somebody? Trust me. That was his big so thing. I he would like, tell everybody all the I time like to trust me. I found myself questioning people that I love and trust. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if they are who they say they are. So, so hey, me. I worked for the FBI. <laughs> I understand that. And you got Seriously. taken advantage of by <laughs> yeah. someone in the FBI. Yeah, yeah so true. Well, good so. thing you don't watch his murder mysteries and stuff no, like I won't, that. No, why would I? I don't <laughs> need that. <laughs> no. Guard your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Criminal Minds is not my cup of tea, but, you know. Are you right, going to do question right number three? Yes, I'm going to read question number. You're like, get to the point, please. The third question is, I find it easier to do things myself. What are some ways I can start partnering with those around me? I, that question was for me. Was it? <laughs> yeah. some, some listener out there thought, hmm, Katie needs to speak into this. <laughs> no, Katie needs that question spoken into. Oh, <laughs> so you're relying on us for that yeah, one. Yeah. I may or may not deal with that one. So, all right. Well, are you ready to get into it? For the first question. First question. I've had a bad track record with relationships. What are some things I should look for in life-giving relationships? 
Well, I would say the first thing is to look for relationships that see value in who you are, not just what you do. Amen. On the flip side of that is you have to be willing to show who you are, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it, sometimes people are at the place where they're like, well, people just need to know without me communicating. Um, and so you have to be vulnerable and you have to really demonstrate who you are because you can't expect people to accept who you are if you never show it. Yeah. So the first thing is look for relationships that people value who you are, but also you have to be willing to show who you are. So that's one of them. And value them. Yeah. So that's one of them. Why don't you guys give some of your thoughts? Well, I think when it comes to relationships, emotion can cause us to jump into what we think is a real heart connection very rapidly. And it's very emotive driven. And I think we have to be really careful that uh, when it comes to relationship, it's something that is built mm -hmm. and it's built over time. And, you know, I can feel, I, I can connect to people very, very quickly. But at the exact same time, I recognize that it cannot go deeply into my heart until we have enough history with that relationship that it's been proven over the long haul. And I think that's important because uh, you see a lot of people jump in and they have a fantasy of what that relationship's going to be, or they seen what that person has portrayed their very best selves. Mm -hmm. But when they get into you know, some challenges or how do they respond to conflict and all types of different things. We really need to know that person. And I'll, I'll just use an illustration. When I was young, I wasn't a believer yet, but I was dating this sailor, not Stephen, my sailor, my still, my sailor, <laughs> but another sailor before him. And I was dating him and he is a great guy, really, really great guy. And, but one day... Uh, we were on a bike ride and I don't know if his tire went flat, something happened and he freaked out. He raged. He kicked that bike. He started cursing. And at that moment, mm -hmm. and this guy wanted to marry me. And in a lot of ways, he was good marrying material until I saw that. Mm -hmm. Because when I saw him literally begin to rage over something so small, I go, there is no way. I mean, I just drew the line right there. It was it was not going to happen because I hated aggressive displays of anger. So I knew I was not going to live the rest of my life mm -hmm. with somebody who was going to fly off the handle. Yeah. And so, but that took me months and months and months before I saw that. And I, I think we have to be careful not to be driven by emotions, but to take time to really get to know someone and look at them realistically. And I'm kind of talking more maybe a dating relationship, but I think it can connect in every relationship. Because if we jump in to the deep water without knowing, can that sustain us? Mm -hmm. I, I think you know, we can make a lot of mistakes because we want someone to be what we want them to be, yeah. what we fantasize them to be, and not necessarily who they truly are. That was one of the points that I had also is 
you have to be okay with taking time to build trust. Yes, most definitely. And maybe one of the reasons that you find yourself in bad relationships is like what you were saying was you're just so quick to jump into a relationship without giving it time to see is is this really a trustworthy relationship or not? And like, how does someone respond to crisis? Mm -hmm. That's a very big deal because life has its ups and downs. And so how is someone going to react when their world is shaking? You know, or if I don't perform the way they want me to perform, how are they going to respond to me? You know, we really need to, to recognize you know, what are the triggers? What are the buttons on that person? What are what are going to be, uh, you know, are they resilient or do they wear their emotions on their sleeve? There's just so many things. And that doesn't mean we don't want to have a relationship or a friendship with someone, but we've got to recognize how much do we give our heart? How much uh, do we commit to this relationship? Mm-hmm. Uh, it really has to be proven. That's funny that you brought up that illustration because... There was a girl that I was attracted to in high school, and we were in some situation where she really showed a lot of disrespect and dishonor to, I don't know if it was a teacher or the principal or whatever. And in that moment, it was like all attraction (laughs) just left me. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And which, I mean, I was probably 16, 17. So looking back, I, I think, wow, like, wonder how that happened. Maybe it was the Lord. I don't know. But it was like, man, if... If this person could treat someone like that, how are they going to treat me? Yes. And so part of building that relationship of trust is seeing how they interact with those around them, how they treat mm-hmm. their sister or their mother or or their boss or or whatever. Yeah. Take note of those things. Yeah. yeah. I think one way that you kind of won Aaron's heart was because you loved on her mom. You know, you did. There's a you went over and you were like, you can't see. You know, Loretta was your like best friend, <laughs> and that was kind of a inroad to get. I was like, was that <laughs> usually? Was that, yeah. It probably was a little bit in your eighteen-year-old mind or whatever it was, but uh, but or no, she was uh, attracted to you because of how much you loved your mom, right? I think you're just you're just making this stuff <laughs> no, up. No, no, no. <laughs> Maybe it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt matters anyway. No. I'm at the point or I'm at the age now where I that seems so, so long ago <laughs> that... It was pretty long ago. I'm just trying to remember where my keys are half the time, so... <laughs> but the fact is, if you're entering into any close relationship... Um, it's just going to take time to build that. And I think if we, uh, there's, you know, the word of God talks about 30, 60 and a hundred fold. And I think we have to recognize in certain relationships, we need hundred fold relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, In other areas, it might be a 30 fold relationship and that's okay, but we don't give the same degree of heart access to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really true. I think um, sometimes I'm one that I I like meeting new people. I'm not against just starting a friendship. That doesn't mean I'm going to give you my whole heart. Right. <laughs> it means, hey, I'm, you know, I'm happy to know you. Um, and I think when it comes to getting in, like actually entering into a relationship, which I don't know, I think it's easiest to talk about that in a romantic way, but it could apply to any relationship, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the the front end of this question is I've had a bad track rec- track record with relationships. Um, but to me, I always just think, well, what what am I needing from this relationship? Right. Like, am I actually in this for a selfish reason? Not selfish in like, oh, you horrible person, but like, what am I actually trying to get from this relationship? Am I trying to meet a need for connection mm-hmm. or a need for intimacy or a need for um, safety? Um, do I need someone else to feel um, safe or like I belong? Do I need that sense of belonging? Because those are actually good needs to have. It's actually right to have a need for for um, security and for significance and for belonging and for intimacy. Those are good needs to have. But if I'm trying to get that from another person right. as my as my source, then it's probably not going to go the way I think it's going to go um, because they, they actually can't provide that for me. So when you get into a relationship, just asking yourself, what are my actual needs? Not even maybe what am I, what are my wanting from this person, but what are my needs? And am I entering into this relationship with the thought that they are going to fill my needs? Because you're setting yourself up for big disappointment when that happens. Um, And, you know, sometimes you recognize like, like um, just recently I was just kind of like, God, I have this need and I don't know, like right now, practically, I don't know where to get this met, but I recognize that I have a need. And so just even recognizing that you have those needs can kind of keep you out of these bad situations where you're just groping to find, like to fill that need in any way you can. Um, And then you end up in these relationships, you realize, well, this isn't filling my need. And in fact, it's like hurting me. Um, And then you just kind of go on to the next person. So yeah, whenever we look to a human being to meet a need that can only be met by God, we're really setting ourselves up for disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This goes along with what you were saying earlier um, about there's a track record of bad relationships. I guess the question that I would want to ask is, what's the common thread? Yeah. Um, Do you love bad boys? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Bad girls. (laughs) Bad girls, bad boys, what you going to do? You know, what's the common thread? You know, is is there a consistent behavior that's kind of leading you in into that place you were kind of talking about needs? But it could just be um, this. This basically, I'm just saying, step back and look. What 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 is the common denominator? Yeah. What is always happening? And and sometimes it could just be how you view yourself. Yes, I think that's a lot of times. Yeah, that common thread can be on both sides. Sure. So that can be, you can just kind of look and say, okay, when I'm in these relationships, I tend to get really angry or I tend to get really jealous or I tend to get really defensive or mm-hmm. um, I, I tend to trust too fast. Um, what is your part of this that you kind of see reoccurring through relationships? Um, what is the pattern? Because if you're saying that it's a pattern, well, then there's patterns there. So and maybe one of the patterns is it's always one-sided. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. maybe look for relationships that you know can be an exchange of life. Yeah. That you give of yourself and then, then you receive from who they are. And there's that exchange, like what we talk about mm-hmm. on this podcast, mm-hmm. the exchange of life. Another thing that I think is really important is, uh, now don't be weird about it, but <laughs> learn to communicate your expectations for that relationship. Yep. 
Um, if you just met someone five minutes ago, it might be kind of weird to say, hey, I want to sit down and just lay the <laughs> ground rules to this. Uh, obviously, as a uh, uh, relationship progresses, uh, you can have those conversations. So, But learn to find your moments where you can start to communicate what you expect from a relationship. I think that's really important as well. And that can be a really scary thing, especially if you are used to having these bad relationships. You're almost like you expect them or you think that that's what you deserve. And so that can be a really scary step to actually say, hey, this is my standard or this is what I'm expecting. And if you can't, if that's not for you, then that's okay, but it's not for me. Um, that can be a really hard thing to do, but it's a really, really important thing to do. And it is hard to time that out. I will speak because I'm the only one in the dating world. I will say that's a hard thing to navigate of knowing when is like, when you're, are you just getting to know someone and when do you bring up those big things? So I think one thing that's important is to talk. What are our goals, our vision, our dream, our purpose? Mm -hmm. You know, what is God calling me uh, to be and what is he calling me to do? And there has to be a complementary or unified goal and an objective uh, for whether it's a friendship or it's a romantic relationship, like how can two walk together except they be agreed? There has to be uh, some common ground. Uh, I've learned even in professional relationships that I have, we're going in the same direction. We're wanting the same thing. Mm -hmm. And because if I'm going left and they're going right, you're never going to have uh, a heart connection or a unity of purpose or even a good professional relationship because we're not going in the same direction. And, you know, a lot of time, that's why I think it goes back to what you talked about earlier, Katie, is being driven by need. Because mm-hmm. if it's all about getting my need met, I'm not thinking at all about one, their need. Number two, yeah. what is their goal? What is their objective in life? Mm-hmm. You know, what you. are they passionate about? Yeah. Uh what do they value? Mm-hmm. Because if they value something I don't value, right there we got a big gap. Yeah. And so we have to, uh, in everything, you know, with us, one reason we partner together so beautifully is we have unified goals and purposes and objectives and mutual respect and just the character end of it, but also the purpose-driven end of it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's been a relationship over the long haul. And we've proven ourselves to each other. And, you know, so often people in a microwave society want things so quickly and they desire something so quickly that they might jump off the high dive and there's no water in the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. I kind of have an example of, I I actually had to sit someone down and have a real meaningful conversation. I'm just going to be real vulnerable, but I have a golden retriever and um, (laughs) I had to sit him down and say, there's this thing called personal space (laughs) and personal boundaries and, and you violate them all the time. (laughs) You have to be, it's like, if I turn around, he's there (laughs) (laughs) and you like, he loves you. I just had had, and I will say he didn't say much. He didn't say much (laughs) about it, but I thought it was necessary to sit down and have that conversation with him. <laughs> he he is much more heart invested in the relationship than you are. <laughs> like, He's in on. love with you. <laughs> no, 
I tell him, our dog does not love us. He loves that we feed him. <laughs> he loves that. And all the pet lovers are like, what is this heresy? <laughs> but sometimes you got to have those tough conversations <laughs> about personal space. It kind of falls apart because I'm pretty sure he didn't change his behavior after that conversation. That is but. true. And there are some relationships that you just got to take them as they are, you know? <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. Well, I'll I'll bring it back. <laughs> You're talking about dogs now. I don't have a lot to contribute, but Well, I won't tell everybody that you don't like dogs, yeah. but I think I've probably hinted at that before, but Yeah. They're great. And I, and I told you Major... know what? On the way here, I hit a bird and I was sad. <laughs> I did not mean to hit the bird. Well, whenever you come over, I have a talk with them and say <laughs> She, she does not like, like dogs, <laughs> so I need you to be on your best behavior right now. I like him. I just like him from a distance. Yeah. He's very cute. Yes. But he, personal space. It's not his Real thing. problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the next question? Well, let, let me put oh, this you, in. Just uh, one other thing. Something more serious. The Bible serious. says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And so I think we always have to keep our heart turned towards the Lord, his will, his plan, his purpose, be sensitive to his voice. Um, don't let our our need, our desire, our emotions override, you know, yeah. God's purpose and plan. You know, we're really to seek the kingdom. And if we really love God, we'll run it through the grid of what what's God saying about this. And not listen through our idol. Yeah. But but even get counsel, even have people speak into our life as do you see this as a healthy relationship? That's actually a really good point. Get feedback. If this has been a pattern in your life, get feedback from a healthy person and just ask them, Hey, I'm experiencing this. Do you see anything that you could speak into that I might not be seeing? That's a really good point. Um, but I want to add to this question as well. Um, just saying that if you want a healthy relationship, look for people who are healthy. Mm. Look for people who are trustworthy. Look for people who are honest. Look for people who have healthy relationships. And then you actually have to believe that you are worth a healthy relationship. Because if you don't believe that, then you're probably going to keep stepping into relationships um, that devalue you because you don't think that you're actually worth um being treated better. Um, and then the other part of that is you actually have to recognize that it's not just all about you in a relationship and that you actually do have to give something good to a relationship. Um, so lots of dynamics here, but did you, you guys take that question very seriously? Well, it's a serious question. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to help. Yeah. All right. So question number two. Question number two is, how do you build trust when trust is broken? So which perspective do you want to go for, for first? Uh, that you broke in trust or that... How about, how about if we broke trust? Okay. You know, we did something, opened our mouth, inserted for our foot, maybe didn't follow through, keep a promise, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, but we've done something that has broken trust, I think, because... I've learned through the years that it's a whole lot easier if you give another than it is yourself. So when I feel like I did not live up to what I believe are righteous standards or um, 
I respond in a way that's incongruent to who God's created me to be, then I have to almost rebuild trust with myself as well as with the people that I broke trust with. So I well, think one of the only ways I feel, at least, that you can build trust when you've broken trust is to take responsibility for yes. it. Yeah. Like if you just ignore it and say and and you justify it, mm-hmm. you're not going to build trust. Yeah. I th- so the first step is saying I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, what I said or did or or whatever, I am sorry for, and then you start making steps or to build that trust. But I, I think it starts with acknowledgement of wrongdoing. Yeah, owning it, the it, mess and not making excuses for it. Yeah, and not not passing the blame onto somebody else. Yeah, taking that ownership. I and I, mess. I think a part of repentance or asking for forgiveness or taking ownership of that is saying, what can I do to repair? Yep. There almost needs to be an element because it's easy to say, sorry, you know, no. I mean, I really, I need to say, what can I do to repair this? Mm-hmm. And be willing to pay the price uh, to repair you know, what has been broken, uh, be willing to uh, build back up. I use a trust bowl for so many things I teach in corporate America. But, you know, if we've made withdrawals, we've got to be willing to begin to make deposits Mm -hmm. to make up for those things. Yep. Yeah. Go the extra mile. Make sure you're following through. (laughs) If if you're trying to rebuild trust um, that you've broken, actually change, actually do the thing on time, actually follow through with what you said you're going to do, um, and then go the extra mile, you know. Warren Buffett said, and I'm probably messing up this quote, but he said, uh, 20 years of building trust could be destroyed in five minutes. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. true. It's hard. <laughs> because, because destroying trust really has great emotional impact mm-hmm. for the one who destroyed it and the one who was violated by it. So I think it. we have to realize that when we have done something that is broken trust, that it is a big deal and not walk in condemnation and shame. You just repent, but be willing that just saying I'm sorry and giving it 24 hours is going to be enough. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think we just have to prove it over the long haul mm-hmm. that uh, when we said we were sorry, we really were sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you might have to recognize that that relationship might never be the same. Depend, depending depending on the, the level, level of, yeah. of, of mistrust that it is, yeah. Well, I was just going off of your quote that brought everything down. <laughs> yeah. My well, word. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he's, he was talking, light, he was talking about it from a business perspective. It's like you spend 20 years building your business and then you do something yeah. that destroys trust. Especially if you're talking about money. I yeah. Mean, yeah. No, nobody's going to trust you. If you really mess up big time, it could ruin your whole business, yeah. you know? So, but basically one of the greatest ways not to destroy trust is not be trustworthy is to be trustworthy you <laughs> and know. be quick to repent like if you messed up be quick to own that yeah and if we're talking about a corporate setting hey you might get fired <laughs> like yeah. that might there might be a consequence to yeah. those actions yeah but if we're talking you know relational um, just being quick to admit it. I know there's people in my life who they're, they're very quick to forgive much better than I am at that. <laughs> and I really respect them. Sometimes I'm like, I didn't even wreck. I didn't even know you did something. I didn't even, didn't even phase me. But the fact that they're willing to do that just shows like, oh, they're a person that I can trust. I, to me is a sign if someone is repentant, mm-hmm. 
I think that establishes trust within me more than everything going perfect. Well, when there's a conflict, when you work through that conflict, understanding and resolve, you actually have a deeper relationship than you did before. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. I think that's what I was trying to say. It's Mm -hmm. like uh, those tough roads are the things that actually unite you um, if it's done well, Yeah, obviously. I remember it was a lot of years ago. I don't remember when it was, but uh, you were... You were working for us, and I, I called up, and I was me. in my aggressive mode, and I get on the phone, and I said, Katie, I need this, 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 and this, and this, and I just barked it out and got off the phone because I was getting my task done. And I go, Melody, you idiot. You didn't even say, hi, Katie, how are you this morning? Hey, you know, you know. And so I got on the phone, I called, and you go, oh, I know you were just working on <laughs> yeah. task. Like, it, it. You acted like it was like, okay, whatever. Like it, it was like water off a duck's back. But I had to do that because I knew in my heart that I did not treat you with the respect that you deserved. Mm-hmm. And so when we do not allow ourselves to function in certain ways and we violate our own conscience or our own standards, then if we immediately make that right, like you didn't let it sink into you because you're a task oriented person yeah. too. And, uh, uh, but you didn't let it sink into you, but just by doing that still build trust. Mm-hmm. Do you remember impor- that? No. Don't you? <laughs> it was a long time ago. Because it probably didn't phase me. <laughs> it probably did not at all. Another important factor, and it's kind of going off of what you said is, if you're going to build trust, you have to be aware of the little things that chip away at trust. Very good. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the big things, right? Like right. those are easy to recognize. But what about those things like you said, man, I just talked to Katie in a in a very task-oriented way and I, and I didn't feel like that was right. Like you need to start recognizing those little things that we're away at trust that after maybe months or years of that, it erodes trust if you don't deal with those things. I also think a lot of time, like you, you also have to recognize that um, you might be hurting someone and you don't even realize that you're doing it. So somebody might approach you and say, you know, Hey, you, you know, I don't, I feel like you're treating me this way. And you're like, no, I don't like that can be really hard pill to swallow when you don't even know that it's been affecting another person. And then they come to you and you have to accept that even without your awareness, you have hurt someone and then making, having to, you know, repent, apologize. And then you kind of just have to ask and say, can you help me to do this better? How can I, how can I do things differently? You know, what do you need from me? That kind of thing to me, like, it's one thing if you recognize that you've been doing it like, and you have that conviction inside of you, but when you actually aren't even aware of it and you've been hurting someone, you really have to step up and own that one because, because you didn't even know you were doing it. I, I don't know if people can picture this as I describe it, but 
you know, it's like I have my hand open really wide. Mm -hmm. And when there's trust in a relationship, I could open myself up, my heart up really wide because it's a safe place. But when there's a violation of trust or there's something like that happens, it's like I close my hand. It's like I make, and, and I don't let someone in. And so even if you don't approach me or if I don't address it myself, what's happening, relationships can begin to close off Mm -hmm. and we start putting up walls and we're not as safe as we were before. And just because you didn't say, you know, hey, that hurt my feelings or because some people don't have the courage to say what you just said, that you can tell when someone's heart seems to begin to pull back Mm -hmm. and they begin to withdraw and they're not as open or as transparent or as vulnerable as they once were. Mm -hmm. And um, I I have a a good friend and she is so quick to say, did I do anything? It seems like you're a little bit withdrawn. I just want to make sure, did I do anything? And it's like, no, you didn't do anything. (laughs) But I just think it was so beautiful how uh, she is so sensitive to to other people that if she feels them pull away, she wants to check to see if she did anything, like to take responsibility. That's really showing I value this relationship. That's a good trust building. Yeah, all these things are really good. So let's go to the other side of the coin, which is how do you build trust um, after you've been violated? Maybe not necessarily with that person because I think – Sometimes when you've been hurt, you want to close yourself off from everyone. Right. It's like I've been hurt by a man, so all men are evil or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. So how do you learn to build trust when you may, might have been a victim of something? Mm-hmm. I think first you need to decide that that's possible because mm-hmm. if you're just believing like, well, I'll never trust again, then it's going to come true probably and you're just not going to open yourself up at all yeah. to even trying So just deciding, and you know what, for some relationships, for where you're at right now, you might just say, no, it's not possible. And that's just a relationship that's going to end or change. But if you do want to learn to build trust with that person or with any person, just saying, I believe that it's possible. So what are we going to need to do for that to happen? Well, I think especially if it's something that, because I was the man hater Mm -hmm. because of you know, men, all men were bad. But really the first step for me was uh, to forgive. Mm -hmm. Not just the ones who did things to me, but to forgive men. And, and, And tell myself, not based upon my the biases I developed because of my experience, but to recognize I cannot judge the majority by a minority. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think choosing to forgive is huge. Lewis Smead says, you know, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. So I think, uh, you know, I've had relationships where trust has been violated. I've had relationships uh, where I was blatantly betrayed. But even in that, I've learned I can't, I'm not going to trust that individual. They've destroyed, they've dumped, they've got, they've gone bankrupt in their storehouse of trust with me, but I'm not going to judge other people based upon them. But the first thing I still had to do was choose to forgive. Yeah. Because 
unforgiveness sabotages me from ever forgiving or building trust with anyone else. Mm -hmm. So I have to forgive and I have to make a decision in my heart that I'm going to become unoffendable. And you think that's impossible. It might be, but if you make that decision when you feel the offense, you deal with it much quicker. Because just like unforgiveness sabotages us, so does walking around in offense. Because when I walk around in offense, I'm going to want to have revenge. Yeah rather than repair. Mm -hmm. So I have to say, I choose to be unoffendable. And really, honestly, through the years, I don't, I'm not thin-skinned. Yeah. But I can look at things so much more objectively. What's objective? It's based upon facts. So if a person keeps showing disrespect over and over, or they're devaluing me over and over... I'm going to be unoffendable, but I'm not going to open up my heart to trust them, right? Yeah. And um, but somebody else, they don't walk in those things, so I can open my heart to trust. So we have to look at people as individuals and extend to every person the opportunity to have the ability to build trust with us. Because mm-hmm. the fact is, we can't control another person. Yeah. We have no power to control somebody else. So we have to look at the choices they make and determine, is this a trustworthy person or not? Now, this is coming from a person that is not super social. Um, <laughs> but the truth is, we need people. Yes. Whether we want to admit it or not, we do. Um, I think about, you know, back in the day, right? When a, when a conquering army would come and try to attack a walled city, uh, one of the tactics that they would use is making sure that they couldn't get any resources in. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes when we're hurt, we create these walls yeah. for protection, but we never allow any good in. Yeah. And eventually what happens is it destroys us. Yeah. So what is a healthy boundary? Yes, it's a wall to keep negative out, But it's also, there's a gate there to allow good in. Mm -hmm. And so you have to recognize if you close everyone off, it's only going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you need to find people that you can trust. But it is so important to have that, like like we always say, an exchange of life, (laughs) right? So yes, to resist negative attacks, but we also have to be willing to be open to receive. And if we close ourselves off, It's only going to hurt us in the Mm -hmm. long run. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've said it before, but the definition of vulnerability is to open yourself up to attack, (laughs) which is not fun. No one wants to hear that. But that's that's what you're saying is like, if you actually want the ability to be able to build trust, that means trust could be violated, but it could be built also. Um, And I think if you're working on repairing trust with someone starting small, And maybe opening that door a crack (laughs) instead of opening it wide open, seeing what they do with it. Like, do they follow through? Do, you know, are they able to follow through in the little things before you give them the big things? I also think communication is super important when it comes to rebuilding trust, because if they don't even know their, the expectation that you have on them, if they don't know what they've done, if they don't know what they're rebuilding, you're setting the whole thing up to fail. And so if you can just clearly communicate without big emotions, 
hey, when you did this, it broke trust in this area. Um, and I'm going to need that to be rebuilt. I'm going to need to see what happens next. Um, because doing that lays it out there and it says, okay, the door has closed a little bit or some, some withdrawals have been made and I want them, I want deposits to be made again, but this is what's going to have to happen. And one little example of that is, um, Maxwell, your youngest son, Joel, I, I have this deal with him. There's a drawer in my office that has candy in it. And I put the candy there just for him. And our deal was on a Sunday, I'm busy, I'm doing things, but he will come and he'll ask for a piece of candy and I would give him my keys. And the deal was he goes in, he gets one piece of candy, he locks the door and he brings my keys right back. And we've had this deal for years and he has always done it. And so trust was built. And one time he didn't bring my keys back. And the next time he comes and he goes, Hey, can I have a piece of candy? I said, last time you didn't bring me my keys back. And he knew exactly. He told me the situation, but he knew that he hadn't bring, brought my keys back. So we knew we needed to rebuild that. But if I never would have said that, I would have just said, Nope, you can never go in my office again. I'd not even given him a chance. Yeah. And so that clear communication of what the deal was, what the violation was and what is expected to repair is so important for rebuilding trust. You also have to realize that you'd be surprised how many people don't realize that they yes. broke a trust with you. Yes. And so being able to communicate it in a healthy way mm -hmm. um, is really vital for healthy relationships. Yeah. It's really important to recognize that someone could violate trust in one area, but that doesn't mean they're untrustworthy. So you have to really look and say, all right, is this, uh, did they, did, was there a trust withdrawal in an area of character or was it in the area of maybe accepting responsibility or mm -hmm. following through on a promise or, you know, is it moral or ethical, whatever it is, be able to look at that and say, yeah, they didn't show up you know, they are so terrible and never showing up on time. I cannot trust them to get there on time. But you know what? I do know their heart. Yeah. And I really trust the goodness of their heart. And to be able to separate that, because a lot of times we just throw out, well, I can't trust that person. And maybe I can't trust them to show up on time, but I can trust their heart. Mm -hmm. And so then when we go to talk to a person, we can just deal with the area, just like with Maxwell, as you made me think of it. it you didn't throw away all your trust in Maxwell, <laughs> but when it came to the keys, you literally took it to that area yeah. that he violated trust. So he knew exactly how to repair it yeah. rather than just throwing out the words, I don't trust you anymore. Yeah. When we're not even yeah. telling them where the violation was. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to be willing to open yourself up to trust again, you have to really remove stereotypes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like, even if you were hurt by 10 specific people that to say all men are this mm -hmm. or all women are this, or you'll love me for this. All people in government are this, all, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, if you're going to ever build trust in relationships, you, you got to kind of uh, get rid of any stereotype because exactly. everybody's different. Exactly. You know, and even though they, they might look like someone that you've encountered that you had a bad experience, that's not necessarily who they are either. That's right.
Yeah, I wouldn't want to be judged by the entirety of my party or my race. <laughs> well, or that's my called being a pastor. <laughs> because all experiences, bad experience with parents <laughs> have been put on the pastor now. <laughs> Doesn't work out. No. Yeah, I used to pay the price for everybody's moms, you know. <laughs> yeah. Stephen would pay the price for their dads, you know. Just God deals with this all the time. Yeah. You're judging me by mere man. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> Prove me now herewith. <laughs> so obviously there's a whole lot more that could be said on mm -hmm. this, but I feel like we gave a lot of good uh, tips and pointers for that or our perspective at least. And if you have any specific questions about any of these areas like trust, if you have a more uh, specific question, go ahead and send it in. We can speak more specifically to that. Yeah, we're kind of like hitting the, in a, like painting broad with broad strokes. strokes, but I don't want any questions. My Aunt Susie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> How specific are we? Uh, <laughs> we'll do our best. Maybe yeah. areas. <laughs> yeah. Well, do we have time for question number three? Yep. All right. Question number three is. I oh, thought, I know why you asked. So I don't have to start <laughs> answering. <laughs> I know why you didn't want to answer this question. My sins have found me out. Um, I find it easier to do things myself. What are some ways I can start partnering with those around me? I think it's a mindset. She looked right at me when yeah. she said that. I think so we all know. looked at you. <laughs> It's a mindset. And honestly, if we are a get or done person, we probably can do maybe better and maybe faster than another. So uh, it, it almost seems like a very true lie, you know, that yeah. I can do it better myself because the fact is often you can, but I think it, I think about it from this perspective if we're climbing a mountain, I don't want to get there on the top of that mountain alone because then there's nobody to celebrate with. Mm -hmm. But if we can do the grunt work going up the mountain together with some maybe being stronger than others, some having some skills that others don't have, some that just want to quit midway or whatever it might be. But if we can keep working with a, a group of people and we get to the top of the mountain, we will have some party. <laughs> yeah. So it's not something we want to do, do alone. You know, we weren't designed to do it alone. Well, I like what you said. It's, it's a true lie. Mm -hmm. Like it is like, it's true. Often I, or we can get things done faster or better by ourselves. But I've actually learned also that that, ha that was re has really hurt me. Mm -hmm. And it's been a lie that has said that, well, I have to do it alone, mm -hmm. which is the real like root of it uh, is that it's up to me to do it all. And so, yeah, do I, you know, is there some aspects of truth that I can get things done? Yes. But the actual lie that has hurt me is I am, I have to do it alone. Um, and so... And yeah, also get a little deep there, there isn't there isn't the same degree of significance. I mean, there might be a dopamine rush that a task got off the to-do list. But there will always be another task. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like there there's such a sense of significance in partnership. Yeah. You know, in fulfillment. Uh and and to see people 
have buy-in and there, there always will be those that maybe drop the ball or don't do it as excellently. But, uh, when we work with people, we're we're reproducing ourselves into them, and really, that's what the kingdom is. When when God created man and He put him in the garden, He calls them to be fruitful and to multiply and to replantation. And that wasn't just about having babies; it was about producing together. And so we have a partnership with God, but the more we partner with others, the greater ability there is to reproduce the kingdom. Sounds so great. It does. Well, yeah. I will say something about this question. I think it it really only fits into the context of leadership. The reason I say that is if you're not leading anybody, you're going to be doing it yourself. If the task requires you to do it yourself, like if the task is uh, self-improvement, to, <laughs> right? Why are we delegating it to other people? <laughs> Right. So, yeah, certain tasks like, are. Like, I haven't it's, lost any I think, it's my trainer's fault. <laughs> I, I think, you know, the context is more leadership because if you're going to lead, you have to learn to trust and delegate the mission to people. Yeah. Right. And there's going to be some things that it is your responsibility to do it. Yeah. And for you to give it to someone else, that would be irresponsible. Not right. Yeah. It would that's be true. irresponsible. So I feel like this is in the context of yeah. bigger vision. Well, it could be family too, because the husband can't do it good enough. So I'll do it myself. But that's still a mission or a task or a partnership, uh, right? It's still leading. You're yeah, leading a family. Exactly. So I think th- this question kind of really only works in the context of partnership and leadership, because there are going to be some things that you're doing that only you can do and only you should do. Yeah. Um, it's just now, when I'm you're like me and it's like everything <laughs> fits that category. Like, <laughs> you're going, agree. amen, Joel, amen. <laughs> I just wanted to add that, but yeah. I agree that it, in me saying that, that could justify some of the dysfunction. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, But I will say, if you want people to catch the vision of something, you have to give them a place of ownership. Yeah. Yes. They're never going to partner with you. They're never going to come alongside of you if you're always doing it. Mm -hmm. And guess what? If you're always doing it, guess what they're going to expect from you? Yeah. For you to always do it. Or they're always going to compare themselves with you and say, Mm -hmm. I can never do it as good as. And And in some cases, that could be true. But in some cases, it's not. I said in some cases. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Finish your point. I had something to say. <laughs> in some case, now I lost my train of thought. In some cases, that could be true, yeah. right? But if we are to lead, right? If we are to be a good leader, we have to lead people into places of them fulfilling. Like if you're, I'll put it this way. Is your vision bound by your capacity to fulfill it? If we're going to do great things, we have to have people that come alongside of us. Yeah. If your vision is small, guess what? You could handle that. Yeah. You can fulfill mm-hmm. that. But if you want something bigger beyond yourself, you have to learn to delegate it and work with other people. Mm-hmm. Very good point. I actually got a prophetic word one time that pretty much said just that. And it said, um, like, I believe in order for it to be a success, I have to be able to have my hand on the whole thing. Mm. And it was kind of a corrective word of saying... Yeah. 
if you want this to grow, you have to be okay with losing some sense of control and letting other people help to accomplish the vision. Yeah. So you can see the Lord has corrected me in this. Other people have corrected (laughs) me. I mean, God is bigger, better, faster, greater than all of us. But yet he says, I've chosen to partner with you. And it's because he loves us. He cares about our growth. He cares about us partnering with him. And it it makes me think about, um, you know, when the grandkids were little or now they're bigger than me and Aiden could pick me up, you know. But when they were little, uh, I would go to do something and they would want to help. Well, you're doing 98% of it and they're, you know, they think they're doing a big deal, but they are so proud of themselves because they got to help you do something. Mm -hmm. And so what it does for the person that you allow in to be a part of what you're doing is absolutely huge. So it's not like you're throwing away responsibility. You are sharing responsibility with. So now we have something more than accomplishing a task. Now we have a heart connection that allows us to build together. And that is something that is reproducible because that person who is now partnering with me says, man, I love this. I could teach somebody else how to do that. And now we've got this reproducers of reproducer things going and the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing or our vision, whatever that vision is. And and so you can just see how uh, even if you do, like even in the family dynamic, when you guys all do something together, you're developing that, that family community feel where this is all of us. Okay, there's times where you might go out and want to do a fire and Aiden says, no, I just want to stay inside. No, you're a part of the family. We do this together, right? And it, whether he likes his alone time or not, the fact is just being saying, you're a part of this family. We want you to be a part. Yeah. You know, it just speaks volumes. Well, the question begins with, I find it easier to do it myself. True. Did I get so, preaching? No, I, no, <laughs> I was just saying easier is not always better. Right. Yeah. And so I think it's important to see the potential of partnership. Mm-hmm. And you have to realize sometimes delegation might be more work, but what is the potential of mm-hmm. delegating? What is the potential of partnering with someone that it might not be as easy in the beginning, but what is the, what could it be that if they could take that task off of your plate, what you could be doing then? And so I guess my thought is easier is not always better. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's kind of like you have to get a vision for what is the potential of partnership? What is the potential of delegating? What is the potential of instilling ownership in those that I lead? And I think if we could see it from that perspective, more could do so five could do more than one. Exactly. Now in the beginning, it might be work. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be easier for you to do it, but what is the potential of rallying rallying five people to Mm -hmm. this vision? Mm -hmm. Well, Jesus, the whole world was transformed by the 12, Mm -hmm. right? And the others that followed him. Yeah, He took the time to invest into people that really were a work in progress, right? (laughs) And uh, just like me, right? A work in progress. But he, he... so 
valued investing into them. And he was doing it because he know, knew that they would carry on and build the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those 12 ended up building and that's expanding right. and multiplying. That's, that's right. Yeah. It, it said they turned the world upside down, they were saying, but actually we're turning it right side up. And But it was all these people that, and he just spent three years. Can you, Boy, he put a lot, that's why they traveled. They had to hang out together all the time. Help us, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it's, it's awesome. One of the things that you need to look for when you're looking to see who you can partner with or delegate I think there's two aspects. One requires skill. Like, does this task require a skill? So those are the things that I have to be looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, In ministry, a lot of it, you might, a lot of those things you have to hire. But in some things, it's, you're looking for investment. The skill might not be there, but I know that I can invest in this person and eventually the the skill could come. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at people that you can delegate to or partner with, is this a skill that is needed or that they have that they can just jump right in and go? Or is this something that's going to take extra effort to get them up to where that they actually can contribute? Yeah. And that is the sacrifice part. That's the investment part where you really have to pour into people and be willing to deal with messes and be willing to speak into their life and be willing to work through um, their past leadership issues and whatever they're bringing to the table, but also to recognize, and this is what I tell myself, also to recognize what good they have and what skills they have and what they're good at that I'm not good at. Um, Because there are plenty of things that I am not great at, but I can look at other other people and say, well, yeah, they might not be perfect, but they're better at this area than I am. And, and so if I can push through the mess, um, just this week I was in the car and I had an attitude and I was going, this is why I do it all myself because <laughs> I'm having to clean up all these messes. And I had to go, no, 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 bad. let's, let's calm down a little bit. Um, and I just remind myself, um, as you were saying earlier, like we actually were created to do this life with other people. Um, and I don't think it's, an accident. I think it's kind of funny in a painful way that um, Jesus was like, the most important thing is that you love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> like the most important thing is love. And so I just have to remind myself I'm working my love muscles. And then I go through the list. Love is incredibly patient. Love is gentle. Love is consistently kind to all. Love does not keep records of wrong. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. And I go through the whole list of first Corinthians 13 because I'm thinking, okay, if this is the most important thing in the kingdom, then I am working out these muscles right now. And it is a good thing. It's not a fun process, but um, it is, it is a really good thing. So that's what I have to remind myself of. I look back years ago in ministry because I am too very driven and producing was so important to me. We have to produce, we have to develop, we have to build, we have to grow. And it was, it was about producing, but it wasn't just producing, it was producing in perfection. (laughs) So that's putting a lot of, a lot of pressure on people to produce in perfection. But through the years, God has transformed me that my goal was, isn't number one production, number two perfection. My goal is the people. Yeah. That 
all of the things that we do ultimately are because people hold such value. The one that's working with us, the one that uh, we're working for, the people we're called to reach, the kingdom of God, which is all about people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it boils down to, you know, what is the ultimate goal? So even though it might be easier to do a task uh, by ourselves, when we incorporate a person, we're able to generate value into that person. And so it's not just about the task being completed, it's about that person being impacted. Yeah. And if, if we keep the main thing, the main thing, then we'll, we'll delegate and we'll partner and we'll collaborate with a much higher cause, a higher purpose than just getting a task done. I think that's really important. And like for me, like I love these people. Yes. I love these people. <laughs> and so that means I have to be willing to let them uh, help me develop love in those areas. I have to be patient with them because I love them. I have to be kind because I love them. Um, And they're helping me to become a better person, a better leader, a better um, friend, a better mentor um, because they have something good to give Mm -hmm. and, and I love them. So I want to let them give what they have to give. So again, this is stuff I'm, talking to myself all the time about. Actually, you do a great job, Katie. (laughs) Thank you. you. Well, we're just making too much sense right now, so... (laughs) You better call it quits. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get ahead of ourselves. All right, well, do you have anything else to say today? Any jokes? Well, I just... I guess you didn't think that that was was a joke. joke. That was the joke. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, Katie didn't get the joke. Yeah, I mean, I I'm got, not the only I one. Well, I didn't <laughs> it wasn't a laugh joke. out loud kind of joke. There's levels it of jokes. It wasn't going to be in a bo- book anytime soon. No. no. Was it a dad joke? What you should do is, so Pastor Joel is taking over our social media and he's been making GIFs. So what you should do is get on our Instagram at givinglightig and you can see if you share the same sense of humor as he does. Because yeah. some people do and some people don't. <laughs> but, that's why I don't clear it with anyone I just put it yeah, out there yeah you just put it up um, unless it's controversial <laughs> yeah thank you don't make me clean up that mess but, yeah. Yeah, we're trying to build something not tear it down well there was my shameless plug go follow us on social media <laughs> giving light IG on Instagram all right. Well, again, uh, you can send in questions to us or if you have comments on what we've said, um, keep them positive, please. Um, constructive anyway. Uh, you can send them into Life Exchange Podcast at giving. Nope. I'm going to say it again. Life Exchange Podcast at gmail.com. Wow. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.